This is Women's Tech Radio, Episode 11. A show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they are successful in technology careers. So Angela, I'd like to ask you about what kind of tools you're using to collaborate lately. Well, lately I've been mainly using Google Docs, sharing um, episode show notes and, well, with you (laughs) for the interviews. It's really handy to be able to share it with anybody and have them add or modify I think it'll come in really handy with like the developer stuff that we're doing for getting our new website going and and just coordinating all of the apps and different things that we have going on. I think we also are using pretty strongly GitHub for that. Nice. Yeah. What, what do you use? Um, I use a lot of Evernote because uh, it's a lot like Google Docs and especially with their new update where you can chat about a note. Um, so I can share like a whole folder just like with Google Docs or they call it a notebook. Um, but I can also do things like throw sound files into a note or video files into a note, and it's a lot more multimedia, right. which especially like right now I'm working on, on a, a kind of a small game with somebody, and we're needing to share back and forth more like art files or sound files. And It sounds like a digital scrapbook. I, I think that's exactly what they used to call it. That is so cool. Yeah, that's really <laughs> neat. I think I could get to like that, but for some reason, I've tried Evernote before, but I just it just will not stick. It's a, You have to be pretty dedicated at first and kind of just like say, I'm just going to use Evernote, but I just love that it's it's always with me. And I even pay for the premium so I can like, it does OCR and I can search. Like if I take a picture of a sign, I'll then search for like, oh, when was that farmer's market? And it'll pull up the picture that I took of the sign. Right, so, right. I like to think of it as my cyborg brain. <laughs> Today we're interviewing Priyanka. She's the co-founder for Walk a Time and spent time at Google and also at a couple of different startups. We talked to her about gender barriers in the startup world and also just about her journey from becoming um, a political science major all the way through to a technical co-founder. And before we get into the interview, I'd like to talk about LinuxAcademy.com. Linux Academy is founded by educators, Linux enthusiasts, and programmers. They have created step-by-step video courses and downloadable comprehensive study guides. If you use linuxacademy.com forward slash WTR as the code you go to, you will save $5 a month. It is a great place to start your own server and be able to do different things on it. You can choose um, up to seven Linux distributions. Once again, go to linuxacademy.com forward slash WTR. And the first thing that we asked Priyanka today was to tell us about co-founding Walkatime. I have been in technology for a while. Uh, I graduated from Stanford and then got a job at Google. Um, and after, while I was there, I realized that I was very interested in starting something new because there were just so many opportunities of improvement in the world. Um, and I uh, wanted to learn more, so I joined a startup uh, which got acquired by GoDaddy. It was called Outright. Uh, around then, I started tinkering with ideas, and I was actually working on something different um, uh, by myself part time. And then I slowly formed a team. Um, just around then, just around I was when I was fundraising, I actually met my current co-founder, Alan, um, and we just it just clicked instantly. It's one of those, you know. Um, professional love at first sight type situations where mm-hmm. you just know this is a good fit. So that happened and I I had to spend some time, you know, convincing him to join me. I wasn't your prototypical co-founder because A, I like, I'm not your, you know, I, it's just, you know, gender difference matters. And uh, also just my background was very different because I'd done a lot of biz ops and stuff at Google. Uh, but, you know, it all worked out and uh, Alan and I started working together. Uh, Avocatime was something that we were building on the side at the time for projects, just because uh, he'd done a bunch of contracting for programming on the side. 
And um, as we were working on our other concept, Rocket Time was slowly gaining users. And eventually it came to a point where we had, I, I was spending more of my time answering and reaching out and working with the users of Rocket Time than our initial idea. So we had one of those, you know, uh, truth moments where we just realized that this is the right thing to be focusing on. Uh, and then we just jumped in and went full time. And at that time, we had about 6,000 users. And now we're at over 15,000. And this was uh, like three months ago, two, three months ago. Oh, wow. uh, so yeah, it, it shows that what it needed was a little bit of attention and there's so much potential. Can you kind of give us the elevator pitch for what Waka Time is? I, I pulled it up and I think it looks fascinating. I'm super excited to try it out. But. Awesome. Well, yes. So Waka Time is automated analytics for developers. Um, it's a product by developers for developers. So it's very focused on, you know, our world. Um, so if, effectively what you do is you install a plugin from our website. Uh, it's an open source plugin always. We, have, we support 19 text editors and IDEs. Uh, once you've installed and set up, then you're good to go and automatically um, Rocket Time will get heartbeats from your text editor um, and uh, record data in real time. And you can look into your dashboard on Rocket Time to see, you know, hours programmed, languages used. And this is going to be interesting, but soon framework detection as well. So uh, things like that. And then we also have uh, leaderboards where users sort of see where they stack up compared to the rest of the community which at this point is pretty meaningful at 15,000 users. What, what puts you on the leaderboard? Um, the number of uh, hours. It's very straightforward. Hours coded in the week. You had a, a very different experience being a quote-unquote different sort of co-founder and then sort of <laughs> men mentioned gender. Has that, has that really been what it is, is that you're a female co-founder and that is very rare in tech startups? Um, it is rare, but it is particularly rare in such a high-tech startup as this, which is all about technology and focused on the developer user base. You know, a lot of women I see, my friends, this is not, this is not true of all cases, of course, but a lot of them, it's more like uh, sort of online to offline businesses or things like that. Uh, so in the, my current scenario, um, it's different because like 95% of our user base is male, for example. And it's a community which sort of I manage and nurture. So it's kind of a unique experience, um, but that does not mean it's a bad experience. Uh, having worked on the other startup idea before with uh, Alan, which was actually an offline, online to offline business, it was in the massage space. Um, I can tell you that uh, this one's a lot more fun and exciting. And the reason is just that it's a viable and exciting business as well as product. It, uh, didn't end up mattering that our user base is not female. Um, but yes, when I was getting started, I think one of the biggest challenges that many women face, not all, is that the social circle that you keep is not necessarily aligned with where you will find, you know, majority of the best technical people and the best technical co-founders. Um, and especially in the Bay Area where like, uh, I think the ratio of men to women in tech is like 70-30. A lot of times when you talk to people, you're categorized by default as female. You know what I mean? Uh, not because they're malicious people or anything, but it's like, you know, it's just they're yeah. not used to hanging out with you. Yeah, it's still such a standout difference that it's the label you get. 
Exactly. And then the thing is, you just have to work with that, right? Um, and so for me, it was just like, I knew I wanted to do a company and I knew I would not compromise on my co-founder. So I just kept looking and kept working. And one day I found Alan and we are very aligned in our values and what we want out of life uh, in the next two, three years. And so it just made all the sense in the world to get together. But it was a hard time finding him. How did you go from, uh, you said three or 5,000 to 15,000? Like, do you... Do you do in-person meetups? Like, what is your advertising angle for that? Do you sell to companies? Like, hey, get your employees to sign up for this developing thing? Or how do you do that? Sure. So uh, in terms of uh, our focus, it's all, it's been individual um, programmers. We haven't gone the enterprise route. Um, what's worked for us really was uh, twofold. One was giving a lot of attention to Facebook uh, and just reaching out to the international audience there. Um, a lot of the developers who are out of America tend to be available on Facebook. And so you need, you can like, you know, through your Facebook page as well as through, uh, you know, other people's pages as well as a little bit of ads itself was really helpful. Uh, for the domestic audience, it's been a lot of meetups. So we run the San Francisco Flask meetup. Flask is, I don't know if you guys know, um, Python micro framework. Um, so we run that meetup and we've started building some credibility through that. Um, and we do a lot of work on Twitter as well for the domestic audience. So those two have worked well as well as meetups. Uh, additionally, we have really started trying to build a community. So we started sending out a newsletter, which, um, you know, really pushed out, uh, like sort of started making people really aware of what we were doing. And we've started, started doing a referral program, etc. So it's a lot of different things. But primarily, the focus is build community and get, get the word out there. Because once programmers hear about Waka Time, they love it. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard about it until we started talking about doing an interview. And it's, it's I mean, it's exactly the sort of tool that I could use. I mean, I have so many ways to track statistics on my apps and none on how to track me. You mentioned before that when you were, I think, at Google, you were doing more biz ops. How did you do the transition into like a much more technical role? The way it happened was um, when I was at Google, I was doing partnerships for AdSense. Um, then over there, by I was sort of like a team representative to a product group um, because we were build they were building something we needed, our team. And that's where my real transition into deep tech started because I ended up becoming the product manager for that uh, uh, team for a brief period of time because their their actual PM left and the product that we needed I was felt strongly that needs to be built so I was like hey I can just help build this because I get along really well with the engineers let's do it that kind of thing and um, we did a great job and we actually launched that product um, it was an internal tool uh, and that was where I got my first taste of working solely with engineers focusing on product and evangelizing it and afterwards within the sales teams and really enjoyed it. Um, I actually got an offer to join the engineering team at Google at that point. Um, and uh, believe it or not, I actually said no <laughs> because I actually talked to a bunch of non-technical people who were in those roles and they kind of didn't seem that, uh, they seemed very daunted by the fact that they were surrounded by tech folks and uh, there was, I heard a lot of uh, self-doubt there and I was like, oh, it sounds like people aren't being valued here, so maybe that'll happen to me. 
and my self-doubt took over and I didn't join. Uh, then after that role though, I became a sales engineer for DoubleClick, uh, another Google product. And that uh, steadily I was getting more technical. And then when I joined the startup uh, Outright, which got bought by GoDaddy, um, I did a lot of hands-on work, whatever was needed, right? Like SQL queries, website, marketing page, anything. That's what startup is. Uh, and so by that time I felt very comfortable. Uh, and then once I met Alan and uh, really got, uh, you know, got involved with Waka Time, it was just such a natural transition that um, I'll just say it, it just started working out. Going back, like, do you think you could have taken that technical role at Google or was the, the journey really important? So I actually think I could have taken that role uh, simply because the people who were offering it to me were really excited about me and they were all VPs and they were going to mentor me. So I could have done it. Uh, however, I feel like what I've learned now, which was at the startup that I joined, um, was a lot of you know hands-on stuff on how to run a business and get started. I wouldn't have, I would have missed out on that. So it's a trade-off, you know. Um, and either way, I'm sure I would have landed on my feet. But this set of experiences is great because now I'm so immersed in the technology with Baka Time because it's just me and Alan and a few contractors. So. I can't afford not to be, uh, and it's working out great. Recently, we started up a women's tech radio Tumblr account, and it's kind of like a faux blog. Um, and basically, we have our transcription of, of each episode on there. And I noticed that you have recently started blogging for your company. Right. That's correct. Is that something that you will continue to do? And do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so something that's very obvious in the industry to me, in the type of products we build, is that blogging is a great force. Um, it's such an equalizing way to get your word out there as a young startup, especially. And we are trying so many innovative new things with Waka Time, which are in the offing, which, you know, you will soon see and hear about. And I, I see blogging as a great way to, you know, explain uh, the use cases, show how it can really transform development and all that. So I plan on continuing to blog actually and to blog a lot more. Uh, my goal, and actually I'll just say this here because it'll help me stay accountable. My goal is to do at least a blog post a week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep, exactly. So yes, you'll see a lot more of me. So your first blog, it's three hacks to increase your productivity. Do you want yes. to explain what those three hacks are? Or do you want us to just link that in the show notes and people can go and read it on their own? So I'll give a brief uh, overview of what prompted that post. And okay. I'd love it if you guys tagged, uh, you know, link to it. Of course. In your... Absolutely. Uh, okay, awesome. So basically what we found as we've, you know, evangelized Waka Time is that Students really find Waka Time useful. Uh, basically, anybody learning something find it really useful because the bottom line when you try to increase your skill level is to know where you were at before, right? So you know how you, well you do, you have to track yourself. And by using Waka Time, what people can do is they'll start tracking their hours programming as well as languages. And you also know like what folders you're working on, projects, etc. And you can see how, how you progress over time. Like first is just like the cold feet, right? Of the first few days where did you just code like 30 minutes or did you get better and do more and more? And so one is the cadence of how your hours increase. The other is also how many files you start touching. And so Waka Time can tell you really well how you're progressing in your learning. Um, so actually we are in conversations with quite a few code schools in the 
uh, Silicon Valley area as well as outside. So there's a female developers uh, bootcamp called Hacker U out of Toronto that uses us for that precise reason because it helps their students so much, you know, calibrate themselves and the instructors know how they're doing too. See, and then there's another code uh, school called Da Vinci Coders that uses us. Uh, we're currently in conversations with uh, a company called CodePath, which does uh, um, which does uh, sort of uh, boot camps for experienced developers, and they're all so excited to start using us. And this is an area we're going into um, as a company just to enable education in tech. So. So there are lots of ways to become better at programming. The first step, though, is to track, and that's where Rocket Time comes in. Do you have a, a language of choice that you code in? So I do a lot. I end up doing a lot of front-end stuff with just, you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Uh, but I'm trying to get better at Python, so, you know, that's what our whole backend is built on. So do you use Rocket Time yourself to help you track that? Oh, yeah, all the time. Awesome. Are you on the leaderboard? <laughs> no, I wish. Oh my gosh, both me and Alan are like, when will we ever make it in the top 50? When will it happen? But you know, you have to understand, there are such rock stars on there. Many weeks, the like average hours per day is 10 plus hours a day. Oh my goodness. Pure coding. Wow. Yes, exactly. I, I don't think I'll ever be on your leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> hey, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> And so um, one thing we didn't ask is, what, what did you have an educational background? Like, do you have a science degree or anything like that? Um, I know, like, I like to talk to people because I have a theater degree and, like, I'm still in, a developer and that transition was really interesting for me. Yes, actually. So I have a political science degree from Stanford. And um, so definitely non-technical. And while I was in college, I was much more focused on, you know, things like student government. I ran the... Um, undergraduate senate at Stanford and that kind of stuff. Um, once I graduated, I really, the the job at Google was serendipitous. It was a very bad economy. I needed an H-1B visa to even get a job. Get a job. So I had very narrow, like I had a very tight set of needs that needed to be met before I could actually get a job. And it worked out wonderfully when Google hired me and also processed my visa for me. Um, and that's what really pulled me into tech. And very quickly, I started realizing that, look, very clearly, I just need to learn to program to become good in this industry. Now, maybe I'll never be, you know, like Alan, my co-founder, who's like a 10 or 100x engineer, but I definitely need to get good at this. So I slowly started looking. I had taken a few computer courses at Stanford, so that was really helpful, actually. And... Uh, then I just started like tinkering around a little bit and hanging out with a lot of you know technical people. Um, and then like when we jumped full time into the startup, I did all our like uh, front uh, like you know the landing pages and stuff like that. And it's just you know I'm more of a uh, DIY person and like I learn by doing, and that's sort of been my journey. Has there been any particular resource or website that has been invaluable for you? Um, so when I was just starting, W3 Schools was super useful. Yeah, they're, they're so simple and clear. I love that. They also, um, actually, if you took some classes at Stanford, Stanford actually publishes their Intro to Computer Science courses on iTunes U. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I found them really helpful, too. 
yeah no the, those are great you're right um i also sometimes when it's like uh, sometimes i just like when it's a very specific like task like less about you know learning but like a task then i sometimes look at youtube and also uh what is this other thing i've been looking at a lot lately oh it's it's escaping my mind right this second but there was something i used it wasn't your usual stack overflow stuff uh but you know in general um i just like go i've been googling a lot and then youtube was really helpful w3 schools but now a lot of times i also find myself you know working with alan on the harder things right a one on one a peer peer type situation exactly yeah. exactly and do you find uh, meetups useful? I said you got you guys run the Flask meetup. Has that been uh, helpful for you? Oh yeah, because uh, so uh, Alan is a really good teacher, and so he started with like like very intro to Flask, like why Flask is fun, that kind of stuff, and so that's been really good for me. Oh, and the thing I was missing was I really like the Mozilla Developer Network. It's such a, a great guide. Yeah, yeah, I will have to check that out. I haven't looked at them yet. Yeah, they're really useful. And like especially as you like graduate, I would say from W3 schools, um it 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 really starts helping out. Very cool. And um I just kind of wonder what do you like to do in your free time? Like what are your hobbies that maybe aren't so techy? <laughs> so you know running a startup, you don't really have any hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I know. A startup is the hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I work more than 12 hours a day and I don't even notice it is the weird part. <laughs> um but you know when I do have some time I think uh, especially like you know detox days um uh, I would say I I really like to read and just light fiction stuff is fun for me. Um you, usually I like British authors because I grew up in India and we were very well fed on British authors. Um and then I also just like to you know uh, just talk to different people and just bounce off ideas help them with their startup stuff and just uh, you know be involved in the tech community it's really fun for me well this has been a fantastic interview thank you so much for joining us and i am super excited to go check out walk time thanks for listening to another episode of women's tech radio if you'd like any information about the resources that our guest talked about or her social profiles to check her out or links to Walk a Time, please check the show notes. Also there you'll find our RSS feed. Um, if you'd like to add us, you can search us on iTunes or use your favorite podcatching app. You can also find us on Twitter at KWTR. You can look at our Tumblr, which has full transcription of each show. And that is KWTR at Tumblr.com. Or you can email us, wtr at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Mm-hmm.